Welcome to the Baptist Broadcast. Thank you all for tuning in. So glad you could be here. On today's docket is the relationship of natural theology to supernatural theology in Francis Turretin. And if anyone is a representative of Reformed Orthodoxy on the matter of natural theology, it would be Francis Turretin. So um, Francis Turretin actually uh, gives uh, placement to natural theology and the principles found within it a prominent position that would be very much so disputed in today's or in the midst of today's dialogue concerning natural theology. And without getting into the debate that's going on right now about natural theology, the failure of natural theology, etc., uh, I just want to read what Turretin says here. Now, keep in mind Turretin's method. It is an elenctic work, if you're talking about the Institutes of Elenctic Theology. This is volume one, and what he does is he asks a question, and then he clarifies the nature of the question. All right, and so usually he does that by uh, starting out uh, in terms of denial, denying what the question uh, isn't. Right, so he's he's he, by way of negation, uh, he uh, being negativa, he's denying what the question isn't, or he's saying this is not what the question is. Right, so the question that he asks in this case is the fourth question of volume one. And he asks, is natural theology sufficient for salvation? Or is there a common religion by which all promiscuously may be saved? And of course, he denies that against the Socinians and the Remonstrants. For the Socinians, everything had to be supernatural revelation, leading, of course, to uh, the assumption that the gospel in some measure can be revealed through nature. And for the remonstrants, you have prevenient grace and uh, and uh, uh, some form of universalism. Uh, so he's denying that against those camps. Um, and then he goes on saying what the question is not. And in point three, or Roman numeral three, he says the question is not, are the certain first principles of religion common to all men? In other words, he's saying what I'm not denying is that there are certain first principles of religion common to all men. I'm not denying that. That's not what this question uh, that's not what this question is asking. That's not this question doesn't have any relevance to that reality, in other words. And he says, because he, he's not denying that and this question has nothing to do with that, because we grant that in natural theology, by the light of nature, some such first principles, some such do exist upon which supernatural theology is built. Now, of course, in today's modern conversation and debate, you would get a lot of pushback if you were to say that uh, our supernatural theology is built upon the first principles which come to us through natural theology. All right. And he gives an example that there is a God, that he must be worshipped, etc. In other words, there are are rudiments revealed to us through natural revelation, which can be known by natural theology, that God exists and that he has a will for us. He makes a willful demand upon our lives, and, and he construes that in terms of, of, of there's this natural sense of worship, a natural impulse toward worship, worshiping this God, though that's perverted in a thousand different directions by man's sin nature. So, uh, 
what he's saying here is a very clear, not only an affirmation of natural theology, but placement given to natural theology, very important place given to natural theology that has to do and applies very much to our uh, our, our method or order of reasoning and thinking about God. All right, so he's saying that there are first principles here that must be assumed if the rest of your theology is going to make any sense. So in the contemporary discussion, when you when you run into a lot of logical contradiction, okay, this is um, this seems to be the case. You run into a lot of logical contradiction, a lot of uh, of thinking about God that denies essential orthodoxy uh, concerning God uh, that has for centuries been affirmed about God for at least the last, uh, if you're just looking at Reformed Orthodoxy, for 500 years consistently, but really for the whole 2,000 years of Orthodox Church history, these things have been affirmed about God. And, uh, and, and now you're running into a situation where many people are denying these fundamental truths about God, and I think it has direct relationship to their denial of natural theology, the rejection of these first principles that are necessary in order to have a right order of thinking concerning who God is, these first principles that must be assumed. For one, that God exists, that the rudiments of his nature have been revealed through creation, and that is all assumed when we come to the Bible, should be assumed when we come to the Bible. Um, that he has a will, that we worship him, um, th that needs to be assumed, that he has some kind of ethical demand on our lives. Um, and these all, of course, being relegated to the trash heap, of, uh, of, 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 of just kind of antiquated thinking that uh, makes no biblical sense is, of course, affecting our theology. But what Turretin says here is very simple. He says there are, there are first principles revealed through natural revelation that can be known via natural theology that, uh, that, contextualize, uh, that contextualize our further understanding of God that contextualize our interpretation of supernatural revelation and our understanding of supernatural theology. He goes on, he says, rather the question is, he's clarifying what the question is, rather the question is, are first principles, the first principles revealed through natural revelation, apprehended through natural theology, are they adequate and proper to true religion? Are those things held among all? Are they are they accepted among all, uh, and are they heralded unperverted among all? And obviously, the answer is no. He denies this. Are the our first principles adequate and proper to true religion held among all? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Um, then his next clarification point uh, Roman number four. He says this question is not whether natural theology is useful to men. For we acknowledge its various ends and uses. And this, by the way, these, these I believe, four, five things that he's about to mention here make natural theology absolutely necessary for our society at large. So, number one, as a witness of the goodness of God towards sinners, unworthy even of these remains of light. All right, so the goodness of God is made known through creation. We see that in Romans 1, and man is able to know that. We know that man is able to know that because Romans 1, 21 says that he does, and he's condemned, at least in part, because of that knowledge that he then suppresses and perverts in unrighteousness. 
Secondly, he says that natural theology is useful as a bond of external discipline among men to prevent the world from becoming utterly corrupt. That's our justice system. In other words, Turretin would say that if there was no natural theology, you couldn't have justice in any society by any measure or any standard. You, you would have no justice system on the planet if there was no natural theology to one extent or another. Number three, as a subjective condition in man for the admission of the light of grace, because God does not appeal to brutes and stalks, but to rational creatures. So in other words, he's saying that this natural theology precedes necessarily um, the, 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 uh, the, the seed of the gospel, if you will, supernatural theology. There, it, there's a context, an intellectual context provided by natural theology for supernatural theology. Why? Because God's not appealing to mere brutes. He's appealing to rational creatures who are, who are, who are rationally capable of receiving supernatural theology. Of course, rationally capable needs to be understood uh, in light of the fact that we have a fallen sin nature. Uh, rationally capable, yes. Ethically capable, absolutely not. Um, fourthly, as an incitement to the search for this more illustrious revelation, all right, so uh, the purpose of one use of natural theology is to spur us on to something more, uh, to engender an, a desire for something further and more and better. Number five, to render men inexcusable, both in this life, in the judgment of an accusing conscience, and in the future life, in the judgment which God shall judge concerning the secrets of men. And he cites there, of course, Romans 1.20, Romans 2.15, and Romans 2.16. All right. So, that's Francis Turretin on natural theology, its relationship to supernatural theology, and then five uses of natural theology in this life, we might say. So hopefully that was enjoyable and useful to some of you, and hopefully it will help you navigate the current discussion and situation that is um, that is ongoing. God bless.